3: That could make a Wolverine curve. on VSN, the
4: Sports Betting Network.
5: It is our number three of the Greg Peterson Experience on VSN, the Sports Betting Network, and we've got a tremendous hour. We're going to cover a little bit of everything here. Got to give you guys some reaction to what we wind up seeing in a wild and crazy college football week number two. As if you wind up being, I shall say, I won't even say possible. If you were able to break even. Week two of the college football season, you did really, really well because there was carnage, carnage, and more carnage. I am going to recap it. We're going to turn it forward to what we might wind up seeing in this week of the college football slate. We'll do that in about 15 minutes. Going to take a look at what we're right now getting in week two of the NFL as well. We've got one game left for week one, but you know what? We can't make any more money off those games that went final, so we're going to turn it forward to week two, and when it comes to the NFL You wind up being able to take a look at these lines as they wind up being able to, shall we say, get steamed up, get steamed down. So I think that it is very important to take a look at some of these openers because a lot of times the best value that you wind up getting, it doesn't matter if you bet on the MLB, college basketball, NFL, college football, you're able to go down the line. Typically, the best value that you're going to get is on the opening numbers. So we're going to take a look at that and then we're going to tie it up with a little bit of baseball, which we're going to pretty much front end and back end little bit of baseball coverage for this Monday because while we love the NFL, there's only one game that is on the slate and for college football, we're going to need to wait a couple days there. So we need to get in some sweats on this Monday. So how about if we take a look at what we're all getting in the game of baseball is we've got a double header that is going to be kicking things off on Monday. We've got one game that's currently off the board and one game that's off the board 917 918 between the Rangers and the Miami Marlins that is currently off the board between Braxton Garrett and John Gray. I won't give you too much here because typically when it comes to double headers, you just don't know what the lineups are going to be in game two. You want to be gauging bullpen use in game one as well, and especially when you've got two guys in John Gray and Braxton Garrett that are coming off the injured list, you really want to be gauging those bullpens because neither of these guys are probably going to be able to deliver their full workload. So we will stick with the one game that's on the board, 9-15, on the board, the Miami Merlins. They're playing out to the Texas Rangers with Glenn Otto going for the Rangers and Trevor Rogers goes for the Miami Marlins. Marlins, anywhere between a minus 118 to a minus 123 favorite and between plus 108 and plus 117, the number on Texas. And the total on this game is seven. Heavy juice on the over end. If you've got that minus 118 to right around about a minus 122 available to you, I'd be taking a look at the Miami Marlins. I'm going to lay up to a minus 122 with them. I think that this should be. A pretty evenly contested game because with Trevor Rodgers, it's been a mess for him this season, but ever since he's come off the injured list, has won a combined 12 innings across his two starts, being able to give up just three runs so he's looked a little bit better. You can tell that he was not right at the beginning of the season. His walks per nine rate has always been a little bit out of whack, but typically he gets more than s- more swings and misses. He's been posting up fewer than the nine strikeouts per nine innings this season. He wound up. Having a little bit of rehab, took a little bit of time on the injured list. Now he's starting to look like the Trevor Rogers Volt. Meanwhile, for Glenn Otto, what has just absolutely torpedoed his season is walks. He's actually been better on the road than he has been at home, and Trevor Rogers has been worse at home than he has been on the road. For Trevor Rogers, posting up about a 6'4 ERA when he is at home on the road that goes to nearly a 475. And for Glenn Otto, he's got an ERA that is north of six when he's at home. On the road, it falls all the way down to a 375, but Drodo, big issue. 4.6 walks per nine innings. You take a look at what he wound up doing at the minor league level, he was able to get swings and misses. 12.2 strikeouts per nine innings this year at the minor league level. Between his time with the New York Yankees and the Walker, Texas Rangers, 12 and a half strikeouts per nine innings last year. This year, just 7.2 strikeouts per nine. You can tell that the jump up to the major league level, it has certainly hurt them just. It has certainly hurt him just a little bit. He's given up the deep ball, giving up one point two home runs per nine innings. But good news is he's going up against a Miami Marlins lineup that is absolutely terrible. Thirty-two out of the last thirty-six games for this Miami Marlins offense, three runs or fewer. They did wind up seeing their games over the weekend go over the total, but not necessarily due to their scoring aside from the one game that we wound up seeing on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Just a case where the Bullpen want to giving up a bunch of runs, but Good news is you do have a couple okay pieces for this Miami Marlins Bullpen, Uscard Brothers Open. He's been able to post up a sub three five ERA. You've had Dylan Floro, Richard Blyer, a pair of veterans do a relatively solid job in this bullpen as well. And for the Texas Rangers, the beginning of the season for the bullpen was not too bad. You take a look at the bullpen recently, and it's been a little bit of a hot mess. Post all star break. It is a Texas Rangers bullpen that has been very much touch and go. Overall, they rank about twelfth, but it's been Roady, when you've had guys like Aiden and Santana out there, they currently have Garrett Richards on the injured list, and that is not a bad thing. Most of all, everybody was posting up a DRA that was north of seven. So you've had a lot of moving parts. Brock Burke, Matt Moore, those are your two trustworthy guys for the Texas Rangers bullpen, but I don't have a lot of faith in those guys. But you do have a Rangers lineup that has been relatively sought. Four guys with north of 20 home runs this season. Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, Adelise Garcia, Nate Lowe. Nate Lowe is hitting about a 300, And Loyola Tavares along with Bubba Thompson. These guys have been able to do a solid job moving the line. When it comes to Simeon, Seager, Adelise Garcia. Hitting between a 242 to 250. So these three guys have been able to do a solid job moving the line themselves. Bottom of the fold. It's a relatively solid lineup, but you are going to Miami. It is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. Going up against a Miami Marlins team that they've been able to get good pitching. This is a Miami Marlins starting rotation that, you know what? If you wound up trotting them out there for a playoff contender, they'd be able to do an okay job. This is just one of the most deplorable offenses I have seen. I do think that Trevor Richards gives them a chance to be able to win in game one. My personal handicap as of right now for game two is making them more around about a minus 135 or a plus 135 underdog with John Gray going for the Texas Rangers, but We shall see what happens in game one. We're probably not going to be seeing numbers up on that game until the a.m., but in game one, I would need minus 122 or less to be able to take a shot on the Marlins So what I really like. Set my total 6.6. I'm looking at the 7 under, and we've got a nice fade angle for this Monday as well as both teams that played on Sunday Night Baseball, they're going to be playing on Monday, and teams that played on Sunday Night Baseball and then have to play on Monday this year, 7 and 17 straight up, and typically it's a better ordeal than we've got for both the Cubs and the Giants because both of these teams are going to be sizable underdogs. I'm talking teams like the St. Louis Cardinals, the LA Dodgers, the San Diego Padres, teams that are typically favorites coming off of Sunday Night Baseball. They've just went straight down the toilet bowl on Monday and they've had absolutely nothing left in the tank. And this is a case where even though they're a big underdog, I just can't look at them. This is 903, 4 on the board, the Chicago Cubs. They're on the road. They're facing off against the New York Metropolitans as Chris Bassett is going to be going for the Mets and Javier Assad is going for the Cubs A to Z total and with the Mets between minus 1 or 285 and minus 290 favorites between plus 240 and plus 250 is the number on the Cubs. I need at least a plus 280 to be able to take a shot. They have to travel from Chicago over to New York after playing a night game and you have got Javier Assad on the mound and Javier Assad has been one of the luckiest pitchers I have seen in all the big leagues. I still remember his first start going up against the St. Louis Cardinals. He wound up, I believe, stranding nine men on base in five innings. He's got overall a 293 ERA and he's been giving up four walks per nine innings. Opponents are doing a relatively solid job of hitting off of him. He's got an ERA that is a 293 and a fielding independent of a 462. When your fielding independent is more than a point a half higher than your ERA, that is a big, giant sign of regression. So, I think that that is going to be relatively tough. And the Cubs don't back him up with a very good bullpen. Michael Givens was actually Givens away to the New York Mets at the trade deadline. They traded away David Robertson as well. So got a depleted bullpen. Got a guy in Avierasad that I don't have any faith in whatsoever. And Chris Bassett has been masterful for the New York Mets all season long. As a matter of fact, the Mets, they have won each out of his last seven starts. As he's done a great job at home, posting up about a 270 ERA He's able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up 0.8 home runs for nine innings this season. That actually falls a little bit southward when he's at home. And overall, the team has been able to go 18-8 and eight in his starts as far this season. And for Brad said, right around 8.5 straight cuts for nine innings. He's a tad bit down from what he wound up having last season, but he's been able to pick up some seam. He's been able to do a good job against good competition. And for the Cubs, a lot of it is about what they don't have right now. Patrick Woods, um, along with Wilson Contreras, their top two home run hitters. Both of these guys... Do a solid job of being able to move the line, including Contreras hitting for right around about a 350 on base, more like a 250, 255-ish average. You still have Ian App out there. He's able at about a 275. But I do think that they're gonna have a tough time going deep against a New York Mets team that they play in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. And on top of that, the Mets bullpen plus all-star break, they've been one of the better bunches in the big leagues. The bridge to get to Edwin Diaz, the main closer, has been much more clear with Seth Lugo. Posting up a sub-275 ERA post-all-star break. Adam Adovino, Tommy Hunter, both of these guys have a sub-3 ERA, so they've been able to come through and have been able to do a nice job in the bullpen. Meanwhile, for the Mets lineup, it is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark, so they're home and road splits in terms of the offense. It's not necessarily the world's greatest, but Silipito Alonso cranking out over 100 RBI, 30-plus home runs as he, Brandon Nimmo, Throw in there as well a few other guys like Francisco Lindor and Marcana in between a 265 to a 275. Then you've got Jeff McNeil hitting above a 300. This team has relatively good splits against both righties and lefties, so they can perform against both sides. And I do think that when it comes to Avi Assad he is not in for a very good day. The bullpen has been going downward for the Chicago Cubs as well. So it's a situation where I'm going to be taking a look at the run line. I do not have interest in in laying this big of a money line in this ordeal, but it is a money line that, because it's going to be a little bit of a lower-scoring game, you're able to get a little bit more reasonable, anywhere between about a minus-130 to a minus-135. I was willing to go up to about minus-142, minus-145 would be my absolute max, but I think that it's very important to play a little bit of a smaller number because I do think that the Mets should be able to get to Javier Asad, be able to win this game by multiple runs. So I'm going to be taking a look at the New York Mets on the run line, so my at some. 7.8, so here on the 8, I'm going to be taking a look at the under as well. And what else I'm taking a look at, what we're going to be getting this week in college football because week 2 was wild, it was crazy, it's exactly what you want from sports. And I'm going to take a look forward to some college football action for the Saturday. Next, right here on v and Esports Bank Network.
3: Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports
5: Betty Network. Welcome back. This segment of the Greg Peterson Experience is brought to you by Zen Nick Pouches. Zen Nick Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine Has help millions of people achieve lasting success by offering a smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. Zinn understands that there isn't one right time to make change. Everyone's timeline is a little bit different and everyone's on their own journey. But when you feel like you're ready to take that next step forward towards change, Zinn is going to be there for you. Check out Zinn Nicotine Pouches at Zinn.com. That is ZYN.com Morning. Warning, this is a product that contains nicotine and nicotine. It is an addictive chemical. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. And first things first, credit where credit is due to all the folks that do great work behind the scenes. This show says the Greg Peterson experience, but it does take a team outside of Greg Peterson to be able to get it going. As a matter of fact, I am just a person that I need to try to not screw things up and I need to try to offer some profitability because you would not be seeing or hearing me right now without the gentleman behind the scenes. Taylor is my wonderful audio engineer. Gets me set up every single night, makes sure that everything sounds all nice, crisp, and clean. Sometimes I sound irrational, but it always sounds crisp and cream or crisp and clean when it does wind up sounding irrational like me calling things cream but with that said taylor he does a great job there brendan he does remote work outside of the state of las vegas he's doing a tremendous job making sure that everything on the screen looks all nice and you've also got that with our good friend nick who does absolutely amazing work as well and then jason khan my wonderful producer he does a great job getting us all these guests and he does absolutely great work. And then you've got Dakota. He makes sure that everything that you're seeing on screen, you're able to see it all. And you got all these wonderful graphics. So big thanks to all of them and the teamwork that they do. Because without them, there would be no great Peterson experience. And speaking of teamwork, sometimes it takes teamwork to make the dream work, but you've got one weak link that it winds up costing everything. And we see that a lot in college football. And with college football. I think one thing that we have realized first few weeks of the season, coaching, it truly does matter, and coaching experience as well. You take a look at the absolute carnage that we wind up seeing a week to, you wind up seeing one less than trustworthy coach wind up getting canned over the weekend in Scott Frost. And it was deserved. It was very, very much deserved for Nebraska. They wound up having, I believe it was something like a 2 and 10 record in their last 12 games. And they had a plus point differential because they just could not pull out a game that was decided by single digits. And when it becomes Groundhog Day, where you're seeing the same thing over and over and over, that's when you know that it's on the coaching. And you know what? The coaching hasn't learned from what they wound up doing in the past, and that is the definition of insanity, doing the same thing time and time again and expecting different results when in reality, if you do the same thing time and time again, you're not going to get different results. And that's exactly what happened with Scott Frost. He had a solid run at Central Florida, and, well, for Nebraska, they're probably wishing that they never fired Bo Pelini at this point because ever since then, it has been a big, giant mess. And I really do feel for the folks out there in Lincoln because – I mean, they're both programs at this point. I mean, to go off on a tangent for about 30 seconds before we wind up getting back on the rails, both programs had decent coaches. Bo Bellini was not terrible. They wanted getting rid of them because they thought, oh, we need to get back to the Nebraska of old, and it said they're in a bigger toilet bowl situation than they've ever been, and then Tim Miles actually led the team to the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's a feat that you don't wind up seeing from Nebraska very often, and they wind up getting him, and right now they're in disarray too, so, man. If you're a fan of Nebraska, if you're an alum, you deserve better, and hopefully eventually things do wind up getting a little bit better, but let's do firings. Probably should not have wound up happening, but that said, you do take a look at this Nebraska team, and I do think it's going to be interesting to see what we wind up getting from them, because the opener was Nebraska being a 14-point underdog, as Oklahoma is going to be them. A, is going to be paying them a visit, and this has come down to right around 12.5 to 13.5 in a lot of spots, and... Typically, when you do wind up seeing a coaching change, just across all sports, that whether that be college basketball, the NFL, we're seeing it right now in the MLB. It's not necessarily a firing, but what has happened with the Chicago White Sox? Go figure. Tony LaRusso's is on the dugout, and well, the Chicago White Sox have been able to pick it up. You wind up seeing that with Philadelphia Phillies as well. They've been able to do a relatively solid job, and I do think that this could be a little bit of a fire up game for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Don't certainly think that they're going to be able to win this game outright, but very fascinating to see what winds up happening, and I'm curious to see where the line winds up moving as well. At 14, I thought that there might be a little bit of value. Now at the 12 and a half to 13 and a half, with the way that we've seen Oklahoma come out to begin the season, don't know if I want necessarily any part of that, but we did wind up seeing a lot of other teams, not named Nebraska, wind up having their struggles in week two. We almost had the stunner of stunners with Alabama being a 20-point favorite. They wind up winning by a mere point. The only way that you were able to cash with Nebraska's, or Alabama is if you wanted to take in the money line. That was just a big mondo number, and I know that there was some better out there that wound up risking over $200,000 on the Alabama money line. That's a sw- sweat that I'm sure that he probably does not want to wind up reliving, but they were able to get there when it was all said and done. But I do think that we don't want to be overreacting to that as well, because even Alabama last year, They wound up having a game or two that was a relatively tough call. They wind up being able to get it done because of coaching. I just mentioned it. There are certain coaches that you do want to trust in, and there are certain coaches that they are just overachievers. And by this, I'm going to be going to a team that is outside the top 25, but I think has lent some relatively solid value really now over the last two years, and they're going to moving forward. Guy is just a winner. His name is Lance Leipold. It is someone that I wanted covering while I was over in D3 country at UW Oshkosh. He wound up going one hundred and nine and six at the division three level. He takes a job at Buffalo. Wound up having good results at Buffalo. Now in Kansas, where I mean to say that Kansas winds up knocking off West Virginia in a college basketball game would not be any shock whatsoever. For Kansas to win anything in football outside of when they had the fat man Mark Mangino in there, that's a big giant shocker. Heck, Les Miles took this job a few years ago. He wound up going winless. He wound up being just completely disgraced on the way out. We won't dive into that topic, but Wes Miles wound up winning as many games as Kansas as Greg Peterson as the head football coach, so not great on that front, but he's been doing a good job being able to shape up this program, and that shows you just how big it is with... Some of these coaching hires, like, I know that there was a big debate many years ago as to whether or not it should be someone like a Scott Frost or Kirby Smart. The Georgia Bulldogs wound up getting that one right, and I think that that's something to take a look at. And really, the entirety of the Big Ten has been having a little bit of a rough go of it to begin the season. Ohio State, they were unable to cover week one. We wind up seeing Wisconsin go down in a big, giant, fiery heap a couple days ago. Now they're going to be playing us in New Mexico State, and not sure about you, but you want to be laying 37 to 37 and a half points with this Wisconsin offense? I am someone from the state of Wisconsin. My sister is an alum of this school, and I can tell you right now, I have absolutely no interest. I recognize New Mexico State played against a fellow Big Ten school with a similar line to this in Minnesota, but I don't think that Wisconsin is a bunch that should be laying this many points just with the style that they wind up playing in. We wind up seeing this a little bit earlier in week two as well. Michigan, a very defense-oriented team. They were able to win. They were able to win very easily against Hawaii, but at 50-plus point spread, it just wound up being a little bit too massive just for the way that they wind up playing in general. So when it comes to these Mondo numbers, you do want to be taking a lot of caution with them, but you also want to be taking caution when it comes to some of these teams that, as I mentioned before, they wind up having a little bit of coaching turnover or they have a little bit of a lack of coaching experience. I'm talking about Notre Dame as a 20.5-point favorite, and they just should not have been a 20.5-point favorite. We're seeing now that the Sun Belt was just completely undervalued coming into the season because I thought that Marshall was probably the biggest underdog play that you should have made in week number two. That was just me sitting there pondering what lines look right, what lines look wrong, and that was one that really stood out to me, but you were able to get some relatively solid value on that front. Marshall, they get the win outright against Notre Dame, but... I do think that it's a little bit of a buyer beware and I'm talking about styles in which they don't necessarily lend themselves to covering big spreads. Right now, the one that leaps out to me, especially if you're able to get north of 21, that would be the Nevada versus Iowa game. I don't know if Iowa going to be able to cover this sort of a number. Iowa basketball, they play very nice up-tempo and they're able to put a lot of points up on the board. Iowa football, not necessarily the case. I recognize that Nevada did not wind up looking the best in what was week zero, but I do think that Iowa being right now in a lot of spots, a 21-point favorite, where I sit right now at Circa, being a 22-point favorite. This looks a little bit wacky, and this looks a little bit off. So I think that when it comes to taking a look at conferences in general and looking at teams that may slash may not be able to cover a lot of these numbers I think that that is something to keep in mind really outside of Ohio State. and. Maryland's been playing a little bit faster in recent years as well. I think a lot of this is just due to the fact that they don't necessarily have a lot of defense in comparison to a lot of these Big Ten schools, but it's hard to wind up playing a lot of big numbers with them and should be interesting to see what we wind up getting in week two of the college football season because it was all about underdogs. Now maybe some of these teams that they wind up losing They're able to now have a little bit of value in a little bit of a bounce-back spot. We shall see, and we're going to see if there's going to be some good bounce-back spots in the NFL. It's coming up next. We've talked a lot about week one. We've reacted to it. Now let's take a look forward as to what we're getting in week two in the NFL and some lines on look up. That's up next right here on The Great Gets. the Sports
4: Betting Network.
5: Start your football season on the right foot by subscribing to VEASAN Pro. Get full access to everything that we do, including our daily picks at a glance, recapping all the top plays made by VEASAN show hosts and guests, 24-7 video, season prep, including our weekly college and pro football matchup guides, including every single game all season long being covered, pro tips like our exclusive betting splits, and our pro tips. And updated every single hour with actionable insights, to up your sports betting game, sign up for a discounted football special and get recent pro access to everything that we do now through the super bowl for just $175 or save $50 or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all year long. Go to visa.com up, subscribe for all of your options and become a part of the sports betting network. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson experience right here on visa the sports betting network. And we turned it forward in the last segment taking a look at a little bit of what we're going to be getting in week three of the college football season after that was a relatively insane week number two. And we saw a relatively insane week number one in the NFL as well. And we still got one game left, have no fear. So we are going to be seeing what happens with the Broncos and Seattle Seahawks game on Monday. But let's take a look at some week two lines because I always think that the best value that you're going to get Regardless of what sport that you bet on, it's taking a look at a lot of these openers. It is going to be getting started on Thursday night with relatively tight line. Anywhere between three and three and a half is the amount of points that you're laying with the Kansas City Chiefs against the LA Chargers. And you're going to notice that totals aren't up in most books. You might might find a stray book or two with a total up in terms of the NFL, but typically these wind up coming out on Monday once. All the games from week one. So that's after the Monday night football games. They are all set in stone. But what I'm going to be curious on is do we wind up getting some overreactions? And do we wind up seeing folks wind up lining up on teams that, you know what? They probably just are lost in the moment. They see week one and they see, oh, this team this team ended up with a very bad result. This team, you know what? Looked very solid in week number one. Let's back them. And what I think is going to be also very curious is what happens in the Dallas Cowboys versus Cincinnati Bengals game. This was a look at line of between two and two and a half prior to the Sunday night football game we saw with the Dallas Cowboys losing Dak Prescott in that game. We talked with Dwayne Clucci. He does a great job over at the Rampart Race and Sportsbook a little bit earlier on the show. He was saying that, Dak Prescott means about seven points to the line. He was guessing that this is going to come out more around today, being about a five and a half, six point favorite. I think that that would be very accurate. No doubt we're not getting two with the Dallas Cowboys laying two points, I should say. If Dallas Cowboys are laying two points, that'll be the biggest slam dunk in terms of my Circa Millions pick, probably all season long. So I would be very much hoping that they give me a two. I do not think they will give me two. So. We shall see what, what happens there, but the line I find most intriguing right now, the San Francisco 49ers versus Seattle Seahawks game. The Seahawks, they opened up seven and a half point underdogs in a lot of spots. Right now at Circa, where I sit, the 49ers are a 9-point favorite. Now, I would say do not bet this until you know for sure what you're going to be getting in Week 2 with the Seattle Seahawks because Rashad Penny, he oftentimes is injured, that is a big trepidation that you do have. And that's a big trepidation that you have if you're trying to do some of these game of the year, look at lines that you see in college football, you wind up seeing in the NFL as well. There are some books that they offer pretty much everything up through week 18, because week 18 is a total crap shoot. You wind up having teams that are just benching so many guys, you have no idea what is going to be going on. So week 18 is always a week that... Is left off the board until we actually know who is all in pole position for a lot of those playoff spots, but I do think that the 49ers versus Seahawks game is fascinating, just Trey Lance is a guy that I want no part of. If they were to switch to Jimmy G this week, I honestly could see the 49ers being able to cover eight and a half, nine points, like we're seeing right now. With Trey Lance, no shot at all. Now, this doesn't mean that I'm going to be advocating for a play on the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks, many regard as one of the worst teams in the NFL. I would concur. I had them in my bottom five entering into the season. I don't have them dead last. The team I actually had dead last coming into the season was the Atlanta Falcons, followed closely by the Chicago Bears. And you know what? The Chicago Bears, they got a win over the San Francisco 49ers. So maybe as is a little bit of an indictment on them, but Trey Lance, I felt like just should not have been the starting quarterback to start with Jimmy G. It's one of those cases where I was saying the song with Jason Kahn. I forget who sings it. I just remember you don't know what you've got till it's gone. It, and then it ends with put up a parking lot, which I always think is a great song. Personally. I always think to also the Nebraska coaching situation that I ranted on my segment, but You don't know what you got till it's gone with the San Francisco 49ers because while Jimmy G, not the world's greatest quarterback, he's not going to win copious MVP awards. He's not going to throw for 5,000 yards. He was competent. You've got a lot of weapons around him and I will say this in the defense of Trey Lance. We want to see a healthy George Kittle out there as well because a healthy George Kittle that is a big difference maker for this 49ers team. With the 49ers, a big reason why they wound up going to the Super Bowl a few seasons ago is because George Kittle, fully healthy, firing all cylinders, did an amazing job to be able to help out that receiving core on top of that, a relatively underrated blocker as a tight end as well. So want to see this team a little bit more when George Kittle is fully healthy, but I'm intrigued by that one. I'm also intrigued by what we're going to be getting in the Giants versus the Panthers game because the Panthers... They very nearly wind up knocking off the Cleveland Browns. Now we're finding them as a two and a half point underdog against the New York Giants and the Giants were able to come back. They take down the Tennessee Titans. I'm not sold on this Giants team. I've never been impressed by Danny Dimes. Now Baker Mayfield did not look great in week number one, but I do feel like Baker Mayfield has a little bit of upside. Baker Mayfield never should have been as highly regarded as he was. If you look back at it, taking him as the number one overall pick like the Cleveland Browns did a few seasons ago was indeed a reach. A lot of mock drafts did not have Baker Mayfield going number one until a few days before the NFL draft, but Baker Mayfield is a solid quarterback. You know that he's going to be able to give it his all. Last year, he was very banged up. That led to the not so savory play that we got out of him last season, so I think that is very important to wind up pointing out, but When it comes to this Cleveland Browns bunch, I do think that, or when it comes to this Carolina Panthers bunch, I'm still thinking that he's on the Cleveland Browns, but when it comes to the Panthers, big thing for them is just having Christian McCaffrey get the ball in the boss that we saw 10 carries for 33 yards. If the Carolina Panthers are willing to run the ball a bit more on the Giants, I think that it's going to be very advantageous for the Carolina Panthers and the Panthers showed that their defense, not bad. Now, They're going against Jacoby Brissett, and Jacoby Brissett, he is not going to be the quarterback when it's all said and done for the Cleveland Browns moving forward, and Brissett has always been a little bit of a journeyman guy, but I did like what I saw out of the Panthers' pass defense. Danny Dimes, I think, is going to have a rather miserable time. Saquon Barkley had a very solid week one, but with Saquon Barkley, you can't count on him being injured either. It's like the battle of the two running backs that are just always perennially hurt and destroy your fantasy football team because you invested a big pick in them and they get hurt somehow, some way, in typically strange ways. So I would say being able to get two and a half points right now with the Carolina Panthers, that's something to look at. And what is very important is gauging this line movement as well because with the Panthers, I'm more lukewarm on them at a two and a half. Like I'm seeing right now, I would probably just take the money line if you're able to get a full three because this opened in a lot of places more of a one and a half point line. So there was a little bit of a jump because of what we wound up seeing in week one. If you're able to get up to that three, which I don't know if we will wind up getting there or not, but if it is, that would be something that would have me feeling very good. Also the New Orleans saints, they barely scraped by against the Atlanta Falcons yet. We're finding them now. It's between a two and a half to a three point underdog after the opener was four. This is a game that had circa is presently off the board in other places that you're finding in Las Vegas right now. DraftKings, I'm seeing them hanging up a three, but the three, it has even money juice for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That, I think, could be a good buy spot if you're able to get more towards that three and a half with the Saints. I'm still bullish on this team. I feel like it did take a few game reps for them to be able to get online. Michael Thomas was injured last season, Jameis Winston, he was starting to flourish under Sean Payton. And then he winds up having that season ending injury. It's a defense for the Saints that they had a rough time in the first half against the Falcons. They were able to shape up as the game went along. They were able to force some turnovers. And Tom Brady, he's still a little bit long in the tooth. The offense, it did not wind up being able to execute for much of the game against the Dallas Cowboys as well. So being able to get them as a home underdog, we shall see how this winds up playing out. I think that it is important. And Being able to try to get the best of the number. Looking at these games in which they are currently on a three like we're seeing with the Saints. Instead of perhaps taking just a two and a half, I think is going to be Paramount as well. And what else is Paramount? Trying to find some plays for Monday. Got a lot of baseball on the card. We're going to be hitting that next right here on v The Sports Bank Network.
3: Experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on V the Sports Betting Network.
5: Kick off the football season with the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, and it is your go to sportsbook for every line, boost, and special. Lace them up for week number one with the Bet Rivers Parlay Insurance and Touchdown Insurance. Offers for every Sunday, all season long. Build a parlay of at least four legs. And if it loses, you get your stake back as a free bet of up to $25. Head on over to bet, BetRivers.com or download the bet Rivers app. It's a whole new game as it is the final segment of the Greg Peterson Experience here on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. And coming up 4 a.m. Pacific Time, 7 a.m. Eastern, we've got Follow the Money. Mentioned, Paulie, they're going to have a whole bunch of reaction to an absolutely wild, crazy, and rambunctious week one of the NFL. It is going to be absolutely tremendous. You do not want to miss that. And on top of that, don't want to miss out on some great baseball coverage that we're going to be seeing on this Monday, as well as a little bit of a smaller card, but we're going to find you some money in that front as well. So we have got a little bit of everything going on. It's going to be a great college football slate as well. So how about if we wind up diving in with my DK Nation pick on the diamond for this Monday as got the best team in the American League in the road. It is the Houston Astros. They're on the road. They are facing off against the Detroit Tigers as Eduardo Rodriguez. He is going to be going for the Tigers. And for the Houston Astros, Framber Valdez takes the mound. This is 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board, by the way, as Houston is between a minus-193 to a minus-205 favorite and with Detroit between plus-175 and plus Plus 180 is the number on them. Seven a half to seven is your total. If you're seeing a seven, the juice is on the over of right around minus 120 on the seven half. The under is between about a minus 120 to a minus 125. And whether you've got a seven or a seven a half, I do like the total over. That is going to be my DK nation pick. When it comes to the side, as of right now, I'd be taking a look at the run line, if anything, on the Asterisk. Find that between minus 110 to a minus 115, depending upon where you wind up looking I was willing to lay up to about a minus 115 in this spot so it's pretty much the maximum I'd be willing to lay but would be willing to lay it but the reason why I do like this total over Eduardo Rodriguez just has not been himself this season the 3.7 walks per nine innings that he is issuing that is the most of his career on top of that he just has not been able to get a lot of strikeouts about 7.3 7.4 strikeouts per nine innings that is the lowest amount that he's had since his rookie season and Really, both of these guys have fielding independence that are higher than their ERA for Framber Valdez. He's very lucky that the walks that he's been giving out, 3.2 walks per nine innings, and at least three walks in four out of his last six starts have not come back to haunt him anymore, as Framber Valdez is on a Herculean run right now. 23 starts of six-plus innings, so credit where credit is due on that front end. For the Houston Astros, they've been solid with their bullpen, and for the Tigers, if you take a look season-long, They're about 10th in terms of bullpen ERA, depending upon what day you wind up looking, but with the Detroit Tigers as well. If you take a look at things ever since the beginning of August, so August 1st on, the Tigers are 26th in the league in bullpen ERA with an ERA above five. It has not been great for this bunch. And for the Detroit Tigers, I think that is just fatigue that is setting in with the bullpen because... For the Detroit Tigers, they had their five main starters coming into the season. For much of the season, four of them have been injured. You wound up having, at one point, Tariq Skubal be the only guy that was out there. And then it was Matt Manning who was the only one that was out there. Now you've only got three of them that is injured because Eduardo Rodriguez is back at the But with Rodriguez, dealt with some personal issues, dealt with a little bit of ailment as well. And it's been all over the place for him. He's given up at least two walks in three of his four starts. Since coming off the injured list, three-plus runs surrendered and three out of his last five starts as well, so he's not been in great form. And for the Houston Astros, this team still ranks fifth in the big leagues. In terms of home runs, they don't strike out a lot. They're in the bottom five, or top five in this case, in terms of fewest strikeouts on a per-game basis. Um, they do a nice job lending professional at-bats. Got all sorts of guys cranking out 20-plus home runs. on Alvarez is the main one of them. Had a bit of a funk that wound up taking hold post-All-Star break. I think he's now back. Gets a home run on Sunday to be able to jumpstart him. Still has a 400 on base, so he's been able to do a good job moving the line. Just hasn't been able to provide as much power as he's been dealing with some injuries in the second half of the season. But Jose Altuve, Kyle Tucker, Alex Bregman, all between 20 and 23 home runs this season. Bregman, a 375 on base. He's done a great job on that front. Jose Altuve hitting a 290, and then Kyle Tucker hitting about a 260, 265, and then. On top of that, they pick up Trey Mancini at the trade deadline. He's been able to crank up a little bit of power as well. Flip side for the Detroit Tigers. This has been the league's worst offense in terms of runs per game, but you've got this team now being able to register four-plus runs in four their last five games. Bill Castro's done a good job of being able to move the line. Kerry Carpenter has lent professional at bats. Still have guys like Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Tucker Barnard, Akil Badu. You're able to go down the list of guys in a 220 or lower, but they've been able to... Provide a little bit more power recently as well here in the month of August. They've actually been an above, or here in the month of September, they've been an above average team in terms of the deep ball. They wound up having a very good series against the LA Angels. So credit to them for being able to pick it up a little bit. But I do think that Eduardo Rodriguez is going to wind up giving up some runs. And with Framber Valdez, he's been better on the road than he has been at home. But fielding independent, half a point higher than his ERA. He's been lucky that the home runs have... He's lucky that the walks have not costed him a little bit more. He's been actually the top big league pitcher in the American League among qualifying starters in terms of fewest home runs allowed on a per-nine basis. He's been fortunate on the balls and play, does a good job of being able to induce some soft contact, but a little bit of it is a case where I think that there's going to be regression as well. So being able to get this total between 7-7.5, seven and, seven and a half, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. With my DK Nation pick and for the Astros, I think that they're going to be able to get to Rodriguez and an ailing bullpen. So taking a look at the run line as well. And then when it comes to what we're seeing in the National League, because we fit on quite a few of the American League games, taking a look at fading another team that played on Sunday night baseball. 907, 908, the Atlanta Braves. They're on the road facing off against the San Francisco Giants. As Alex Cobb goes for the Giants and Spencer Strider on the bump for Atlanta. Atlanta, after they had their hearts ripped out. On Sunday, they're looking to bounce back on Monday with Strider being between a minus 170 to a minus 180 favorite. Between plus 155 and plus 160 is the number on San Francisco. And between seven and seven and a half is the total where I sit at circa one of the few sevens I'm seeing. Most other places are offering a seven a half with quite a bit of juice on the under end for the Atlanta Braves. Take a look at the run line. Run line I am seeing is minus 105. I was willing to lay up to a minus 115, and I needed at least a plus 190 to take a stab on the San Francisco Giants. Even though Alex Cobb has a sub-3 ERA at home, he's been able to do a solid job in San Francisco. Road it has been a little bit of a different circumstance, and I will say this for Alex Cobb. Pretty unlucky this season. ERA hovers in the neighborhood of about a 3-7, and the fielding independent it has been sub-3 for much of the season. Been a case where whenever he's hit the road, He has had balls in play, just not be his friend in general. They have found all the wrong spots, which is why he's currently sitting with a three independent and a 368 ERA, getting nine strikeouts per nine innings. But you want to know who's getting even more strikeouts? Spencer Strider began the season as a long guy, has stretched himself into a starter, and his strikeout numbers, despite going from long reliever to starter, have not fallen off whatsoever. 13.6 strikeouts per nine innings. The trepidation you've had with Spencer Strider this year has been the walks. He's given up 3.1 walks per nine innings, but he's rectified that recently. Last five starts, seven walks in that span. He has been absolutely magnificent. Home and road, he's been dominant. And with the Atlanta Braves, they lead the National League in terms of home runs per game. And you've got someone in Austin Riley who's went deep five times in the last 10 games for this team. Got a lot of guys hitting at least a 280 for the team. He and Dansby Swanson hanging in the pocket about a 285 to a 290. Michael Harris, the second. He wound up having one of those big home runs that very nearly led to a big comeback against the Seattle Mariners to tell Kenley Jansen, which that's another thing that's a positive for the Atlanta Braves because Kenley Jansen pitched on Sunday. You don't have to worry about him on Monday for a good bullpen that has guys like. A.J. Minter, Tyler Mazick, Rossio Iglesias, who they picked up at the trade deadline. This is one of the best bullpens in the National League for the Atlanta Braves. Only the LA Dodgers for the season have a better ERA, and you don't have to worry about Kenley Jansen anymore, so that is a net positive. And for the San Francisco Giants, part of the reason why I am looking to fade them is the bullpen. They rank in the bottom eight in the big leagues. In terms of bullpen ERA, a lot of these pieces are similar slash the same from the 2021 season where they led the league in bullpen ERA, but guess who's not there? Buster Posey. As a result, the lineup takes a little bit of a fall off. Matter of fact, for the San Francisco Giants on Sunday, they trotted out one guy with a batting average above a .255, so they have been having some fortunate breaks when it comes to the way that they have been platooning because they're about a league average offense in terms of being able to generate runs. I don't think that this is going to continue. I think that the Atlanta Braves bullpen is going to be able to do a solid job. They've only got one guy for San Francisco with north of 20 home runs, Jack Peterson, and... He's been a little bit banged up this season. Wilmer Flores has been able to go deep from time to time as well. But guys like Mikey Stramski, Joey Bart, when he's been at the catcher spot. list goes on and on. have not been able to do a supreme job, but the Atlanta Braves, high-powered offense. I think that they get to Alex Cobb. I think that they get to this bad bullpen. Willing to fade teams coming off of Sunday Night Baseball. That's our pro tip for this hour. v slash subscribe. We give out 20 a day. Teams coming off of Sunday Night Baseball. 7 and 17 straight up. That is a 29.2% win rate, but 100% win rate is keeping it here on Vison as 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. It is follow the money right here on VSIN, the Esports Bank Network.
0: Football is here. The VSIN team has what you need to know. Whether you're betting on futures, looking for contest strategy, or building your own power readings, VSIN has everything you need. Get all the latest from our lineup of experts NFL veterans Mike Pritchard, Super Bowl champion Sean King, former NFL exec Michael Lombardi, and broadcasting legend Brent Musburger. Start your VSIN subscription today to get access to our football betting experts all season long. Check out the new betting splits feature on VEASAN.com before you place your next bet. Every day, we post the latest splits with the percentage of bets and money on teams and total for each game. Track which teams are seeing the most tickets written and if the public action matches the money coming in on those games to give yourself an edge. Betting splits plus live odds, line moves, power ratings, and game analysis makes VEASAN.com the
3: place to visit before you place your next bet. That's vsin.com. ncom
4: it's football season, and bettors know that this is when the money is made. Nobody knows football like vSIN, and now's the time to become a vSEN subscriber and get our comprehensive college and pro guides. Only vSEN subscribers get all the tools to prep for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Sign up early and for a discounted $175, you'll receive both guides and full Vsin access all the way through the Super Bowl. Or join us for $40 a month and see everything Vsin has to up your betting game. Go to VCN.com/slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the sports betting network
0: if you didn't catch Beeson's final countdown here's what you missed
1: remember baker mayfield was not supposed to go number one yeah. overall in the draft that happened like three days before the draft joe burrow came out of nowhere joe burrow had like a late second round grade on him and he came out of nowhere and ended up going number one overall. lsu
5: wasn't even supposed to be good that season, yeah, like they won the national championship n-
1: number one overall in the draft and so I went to look at some of these long shot guys that had these borderline first round grades and took a shot on them as far as being the number one overall pick in the draft. And I think there's still at least a little bit of value in some of these guys. I mean, Anthony Richardson at 25 to one Hendon hooker at 30 to one Jaron Hall sitting at 40 to one. These are all guys that have the opportunity to really impress over the course of the season. And again, it, you don't necessarily always have to play for the best team to go
0: number one overall in the draft. Beeson's Final Countdown with Stormy Bonantoni and Matt Brown. Weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.